0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Your team, every day.
0: Hello friends, and welcome to episode 530 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and it is Tuesday evening and The Atlanta Hawks got a nice win tonight over the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, led by LeBron James and company. It was a 117 to 113 final score down there at State Farm Arena, and a pretty interesting game on, on a number of fronts, including a uh, sort of a high high flying, um, a lot of fireworks in the first three quarters, and a lot of ugliness in the fourth quarter. But in the end, it was a it was a four point win for the Hawks and uh, a fun a fun game to chronicle here. So we'll spend more, most of the time on that po- on that particular game on this podcast. With that said, there are two items that I wanted to hit on before the game actually started. First of which was sort of a smaller thing and that Joe Adams missed this game, the two-way player out of St. Bonaventure. He's going to be functioning as the Hawks' backup point guard um, until um, further further notice, honestly, because the Hawks haven't signed anyone just yet at the time of this podcast. They have to to make two roster moves, as, as I discussed yesterday on the pod and talking about the Jeremy Lin buyout and all that fun stuff. The Hawks have stuff to do. They have, they're going to have to sign someone, but for now, Lloyd Pierce indicated before this game started on Tuesday that Adams is going to be the backup point guard for the foreseeable future. No huge surprise there but because he's kind of the only one around, but as you saw in this particular game that we'll talk about in a second, the Hawks don't really have another option that looks the, that looks the part offensively in terms of running the team and all that fun stuff. So Adams is going to be now a big part of what's going on here, and the Hawks will be probably having to wait as long as they can now. It would it would not make sense to sign someone between now and Thursday in a lot of ways. And the Hawks got through this game without a back point guard. The Knicks await on Thursday. The Knicks are not very good at basketball. So if the Hawks can navigate that game, they could sort of make some sense financially and timing wise to hold off as long as they can before they before they actually sign a player to fill out their roster. Something to keep in mind there for the future. Uh, that sort of bridges into the second thing that I want to at least discuss with you briefly is that you know um, Lloyd Pierce was available to the media for the first time since the Lloyd since the Jeremy Lynn um, buyout actually took place earlier this week the Hawks did not practice on Monday and they were not available for shoot around on Tuesday so there was the first availability for for Pierce before this game started on Tuesday night so I wanted to play the audio for you um, Pierce was actually just prompted about Lynn and sort of how that all went down and sort of his reaction to that so I wanted to play what he said about Jeremy Lynn and here's what Lloyd Pierce had to say You know, Jeremy and I
1: spoke prior to the season, and um, I spoke with every person individually, either introducing myself or um, just the direction that we're headed. He's the guy that was valuable for us for a lot of reasons. Um, You have an experienced point guard playing with the inexperienced point guard. And so we called him the stabilizer for most of the year just because we knew what we were going to get when Jeremy was on the court. knowing you have a young point guard that's playing the bulk of the minutes. And so that was really the part that was important for us is to, to when Trey was in, you know, let Trey grow. When he was out, we had a point guard that we could rely upon. Um, the second part was Jeremy played 35 games the past two years. And, you know, I was with Jeremy his rookie year in Golden State, and I've seen his growth. And I understand kind of where he was coming from after being out for two years and, you know, perfect opportunity to not come in and have a huge responsibility, but also get an opportunity to reclaim himself, uh, especially heading into free agency. And so I think we accomplished that. I hope, you know, when he leaves and he's gone, but I hope he's able to say this was a place where he was able to accomplish a couple of things. He helped us with, uh, with Trey and being that stabilizer and we helped him getting his career
0: back on track. So it's clear that uh, obviously the Hawks had some goals for Jeremy Lin uh, that they set that Pierce was talking about here in his availability and you know, not everything is always as rosy as everyone wants to say it is, but obviously Lynn did a good job in mentoring Troy Young. He played reasonably well when he was around and obviously, you know, he's now back on back on track health wise. So that's sort of some positive spin from Pierce in some ways, but at the same time it's also true. And the Hawks, um it was actually reported by Chris Kirshner of the Athletic on Tuesday night that the Hawks got about the league minimum back. Um, from from Jeremy Lynn, basically that Lynn would um have given back about seven hundred thousand dollars or so. That's the give or take number that he would have signed for in uh, in Toronto. So the Hawks save a little bit of money, not too much, obviously. It's more about a goodwill gesture on behalf of the Hawks to let him go. But, um, you know, later he, uh, Pierce said that he had not spoken to Lynn other than by text since the buyout stuff happened and that he he actually kind of stressed a few times uh, just how fast the process was. So I'm not sure that Pierce was really in the mix. He did, he did mention speaking to Travis Schlank briefly about what transpired, but not really, uh, obviously, his decision. But he was the one that was available, so he was asked about that. And I wanted to pass along what the head coach had to say about Jeremy Lynn and sort of close the book on all of that stuff. With that out of the way, we can go ahead and get to the game and what transpired here. On Tuesday night, um, sort of a back-and-forth contest in a lot of ways. Here, we'll start at the beginning. The uh, Lakers actually got off to a 7-0 run to take a 14-8 lead in the early going. But aside from that, it was a lot of Hawks um, positivity in the first in the first quarter of this contest. Uh, Trey Young actually opened 0-4 from the floor, but from there, he basically zoomed ahead. And even then, at 0-4, he had four assists in the first seven minutes. He scored five quick points after that with a layup and a quick trigger three. The Hawks scored eight points in 55 seconds or so to take a 24-23 lead. Interestingly enough, there's some rotation stuff that I wanted to point out in this game. Um... Amari Spellman was uh, came in as a sort of an early sub. The Hawks actually went to Alex Lynn as the only sub for a while, replacing De- Dwayne Dedman. But from there, they went to Amari Spellman at the 4 and Vince Carter at the 3 off the bench. Worth noting that um, both John Collins and Amari Spellman guarded LeBron James in this game um, a lot, which was a surprise to me. You know, Coming into the game, you would assume that Torian Prince would have, would have the first crack at LeBron, given the starting lineups. But Pierce, I asked him actually after the game, what the thought process was there, they wanted to put length on LeBron James, kind of make him into a scorer is the way that Pierce said it. I'm not sure I agree with that decision, but they, they got some decent minutes out from Collins and Spellman, at least effort-wise. They're definitely big, make LeBron, be a jump shooter, all that fun stuff. So, you know, I sort of get it in some ways. Um, that was an interesting decision that I wanted to at least point out and that you guys know um, actually transpired here. Aside from that, though, Vince at the three was definitely a surprise to everyone, I think, including myself. Pierce even said after the game, it was the first time all year that Carter's played the three. They put in some stuff at, at, a, at a walkthrough this week to kind of let Vince know what he was going to be doing at the three. It's definitely a weird situation. I would have gone to more Kent Bazemore, and honestly, I would have gone to Justin Anderson, who I always reference on the podcast. I'm sure people already tired of me talking about that, but it's sort of perfect matchup for Justin Anderson in some ways because... As sort of a LeBron stopper type, he's the best defender probably in terms of just stature on LeBron. on The whole roster, I would you you you'd certainly argue that a guy like Benbury might be a better defender um, in a vacuum. But Anderson's just so stout that he make a lot of sense on on LeBron. But they didn't they didn't do that. They went to Carter at the three. I don't really like that at the expense of Bazemore, who didn't play a lot in this game. We'll talk more, more about that later, but. It ended up working, I guess, quote unquote. Um, but regardless, I wanted to sort of set the stage here of, of what transpired. But there wasn't it was an 11-0 run from the Hawks to go up by 38 to 28 in the first quarter. They opened 10 of 15 from three. They had 10 threes in the first quarter, which is kind of crazy to talk about. They tied the franchise record for threes in a single quarter that was set earlier this year, actually. Just just a full on barrage. Alex Len hit three threes. Collins hit two. Young hit two. Carter hit two. And between the four of them, they were nine of nine, which is just outrageous in the first quarter. Trey Young was sort of on the way to a triple 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 double. He didn't really get there because of the rebounding, but he had eight, six, and five in the first quarter. Len was perfect; had eleven points in the first quarter, and in general, Atlanta's office was really humming. Eleven assists in the first, and uh, they just were kind of scoring at will at times in the first quarter. So thirty eight to thirty two, they took a ten point lead. Uh, although the Lakers came back and scored the final four points of the period. The second quarter was not quite as friendly as you might expect. It was always going to be a cool off situation for the Hawks. They couldn't just shoot the way that they did in the first quarter of the entire night. Um, but the Lakers had an 8-0 run to get back within one pretty quickly in the second quarter. They went pretty small at one point after you know the Hawks played big for most of this game with guys like Collins and Spellman at the four. There was an extended stretch in the second quarter when they had, when they had to go small. At least, you know, in, in retrospect, because they had um, Devin and Lamb both had three fouls in the second quarter, so they, they went small, and it didn't work necessarily all that well. The Lakers, Lakers took the lead. Um, it was definitely back and forth from there. A nice chase down block, actually, from Torian Prince to save a dunk from Brandon Ingram. And a really nice pass that I noted from Kevin Herter. Recognition on that play to find um, John Collins with a seal and a score. And um, that, that gave the Hawks the lead back briefly in the, second, in the second quarter. But in general, the offense sort of petered out. They were 0-6 from, from 3 after 10-15 in the first quarter. It was always going to happen, but still uh, kind of a, a sharp contrast there. And 9 turnovers in the, sec- in the second quarter after only 1. In the first, so you know the Lakers led by six at the end. of the, Sorry, late in the half they led by four at the half, and honestly it felt like a missed opportunity for the Hawks who had led by who had led by ten in the first quarter to go into halftime down four. Felt like they were probably going to be in some trouble. Honestly, with the way that you know coming into the game, Lakers were favored to win this game for obvious reasons. They're more t- they're the more talented team in terms of just having LeBron on the team, for instance. But you know the Hawks, I, I guess to their credit, did not get down big at any point in this game. It's we're sort of we're, we're allowed to fight that off. Shot the ball in general pretty darn well, and Collins had 17 points at the half. He was definitely a big part of what transpired before halftime. Uh, in the third quarter, there was a 7-0 run to, by the Hawks to take the lead again, um, punctuated by Trey Young to Kevin Herter, pass in transition for a dunk. Young had 11 assists with 9.30 left in the third quarter. His passing was just outrageous in this game, Then we'll talk more about that later. But there was a, sort of a back-and-forth situation for most of the third quarter. The Hawks went up by 5 one point. There were two nutmegs from Trey Young throwing the ball between uh, LeBron James' legs. Um, and actually, the first one wasn't even an assist because Spelman got fouled on the play, but did it again later in the quarter. Young sat for about 90 seconds total in the third quarter because he was so vital to the offense. And while he was gone, the Lakers retook the lead. The the offense kind of were, uh, was out of sorts, I will say, just without Trey Young on the floor. This, this entire game, you know, the plus minus tells the story a little bit, that we'll talk about that in a moment. But whenever he left the floor... Things were shaky offensively, to be sure. There was a nice back-to-back stretch where they had back-to-back threes from Kent Bazemore and Trey Young to go up by five. Um, the Lakers then uh, got within five, I guess, and still held that to the end of the third quarter. It was 195, so a lot of offense. And then if you look at the score, of course, at the end of this game, it was only 117-113, so uh, only 35 combined points in the fourth quarter. That was really, really ugly in a lot of ways. Spoiler, spoiler alert here a little bit. Combined, the two teams shot 11-41 of 41 from the floor, and three of 18 from three in the fourth quarter with 14 combined turnovers. It was a really really ugly fourth quarter in a lot of ways. The Hawks pushed the lead up up to eight early on with a uh, young when young when young blew by LeBron James for a layup. That was a nice um, sort of featured play that actually made the national rounds a little bit obviously those guys are pretty famous together so you could see why that would happen young left the game for about 2 minutes and 56 seconds and the hawks were able to tread water which is which is kind of really nice to see after after the way that transpired in the third quarter the hawks actually won by two points in that 3 minute time period and that ended up being pivotal as to uh, the hawks holding on to this win they went to an all bench lineup midway through the period with spellman at the four and Carter at the three again I didn't love that decision. They were going without Bazemore at that point in time, which I didn't love. Um, but there was a nice big three from from Amari Spellman to go up by nine. Six with and a half minutes to go. That was the biggest shot of the fourth quarter to that point. And the Hawks had their largest lead of the entire half at nine at that point in time. Uh, there was a uh, what would have been a dagger-ish kind of play with John Collins missing a reverse dunk with about four minutes to go. He was he was not fouled, and he just missed it. It was, a, it was an alley-oop reverse. And it would have been a tough play for anyone, but Collins usually makes that play. Just didn't make it at that point in time. Amusingly, Reggie Bullock came down and missed a layup of his own. That would got it to five for the Lakers. Just a lot of just bad execution all the way around. And by the way, it was the exact same score of one ten to one zero three from the 6.22 mark of the fourth quarter to the 2.46 mark of the fourth quarter. So about three and a half minutes was just, with neither team scoring a single point. And even then, LeBron James only made one of, one of two free throws to kind of snap that deficit and finally get on the board. But just horrible offense on both sides of the floor. Um, there was a, uh, a some brief um, scare moments down the stretch for the Hawks. But Torrey Prince had a three to go up by seven points late, and it looked to be over at that point in time, but LeBron then dunked immediately. Trey Young had a nice three-point play that actually was, sorry, a, a potential three-point play that he missed the free throw on to go up by seven, but still, the lead got down to three late after there was a bad turnover by the Hawks, and uh, Dedman sort of inexplicably threw the ball back towards the mid-court line that ended up, ended up in a uh, quick bucket for the Lakers. They didn't foul, though, down by three late. It took them a long time to foul. Like they were, I guess they were trying to get a steal, get the ball out of, the, out of, uh, out of a certain player's hands, but sort of bad, bad execution there from the Lakers. They fouled Kevin Herter. Herter missed the first one to sort of put everybody on ice a little bit, but then made the second one to put the game away, and the Hawks were able to escape with a four-point win. Again, all that to say, the fourth quarter was just hideous for all parties. Um, the Hawks had eight turnovers on their own. They are 5-19 from the floor in the fourth quarter. So, you know, not one to write home about down the stretch, but the Hawks did enough to win, and uh, shouts to them for that. Um, Big picture, offensively, the numbers don't look as good as they would have after three quarters, obviously, but a 103.6 offensive rating is not terrible. 44% from the floor, 38% from three, too many turnovers, 21 turnovers, that's just way too many, and you know, Pierce pointed that out. By the way, only one in the first quarter, so had 20 turnovers in the the last three quarters of this game. You're usually going to lose when that happens, but uh, fortunately for the Hawks, the Lakers kind of imploded on themselves. Defensively, Atlanta did a decent job. I will say, in the fourth quarter, a lot of that was assisted by by the Lakers kind of kind of running out of gas. And but they 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 played with spirit. You know, Lloyd Pierce referenced that offense, referenced the defense in terms of just playing harder after this game. It wasn't like they were great defensively by any stretch of the imagination um, from the first three quarters. But still, the Hawks did enough to win. And uh, you know, some big picture stuff that I wanted to hit on at least on that on that way. You know, there were. um, just one thing I wanted to say, you know, Kev- I believe it was uh, Kev- Kevin Shenardo of hawks.com pointed this out. I believe first person I saw say this, but the Hawks had some issues when they were having John Collins and Amari Spellman guard LeBron James in some ways because they were crashing the offensive glass, especially Collins. He's uh, prone to do that. And that was kind of allowing transition points for the Lakers. The Lakers had four, had 16, 16 points in the fast break. That's a lot. Um, and part of that was the re- was because the Hawks were sort of getting out of position in a way they don't normally do that. Obviously, Collins is not used to guarding someone like LeBron who can grab and go the way that he does and kind of sprint down the court, etc. But yeah, just one of those things, and the Hawks were able to escape here. Kind of funny, and I want to note this now as we move, move into the individual section of the podcast, but um, Collins, Collins and... Um, Young played a lot of minutes in this game. Uh, Young played 38 minutes. Collins played 34 minutes. Everybody else was kind of muted. Uh, sub 30 for the rest of the roster. We'll start on the bench, though. I wanted to get there first. Amari Spellman was uh, 14 minutes. Didn't didn't play a ton. I mentioned before, Guard LeBron, gave good energy. Six points, three rebounds for Amari. I thought he struggled in the first half, but was better in the second half when he came back in. I think he was probably just a little bit nervous early on. Opened 3 from the floor, uh, sorry, 0-4 from the floor, and 0-3 from three, and made his, made his last two shots. He just looked to be a little bit jittery, like the moment was kind of big for him in the first half, which isn't a surprise. It was sort of a packed house, um, sort of buzz atmosphere, and he didn't he didn't look like he was ready to play necessarily in the first quarter. Uh, but, you know, no no shade on that, because he's a rookie, it's going to happen. I uh, did remember, I thought, played well in this game. Six points, six rebounds, two steals, and an assist. Point guard duties were split between Bembry and Bazemore. Um, mostly Bembry, though, in the uh, af- in the absence of Young for that brief period of time. Bembry did a pretty good job defensively, I thought, as well, and played generally well. Vince Carter actually played the most minutes off the bench, which is <laughs> kind of surprising in a lot of ways, given the way this game went. But Carter was um, 11 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and a block shot for Vince in 24 minutes. 3 or 4 from the floor, th- 2 or 3 from 3. 3 from the free throw line, he was fouled on a 3. So, you know, Vince played uh, pretty solidly. I think going into him at the 3 was something that I would not have done, necessarily, especially, as, they, especially as, much, as much as they did. I would have gone to Baysmore more often, maybe even Herder more often, but ended up working out for the Hawks, and Vince did a good job, in, as a veteran would, in sort of picking his spots and filling in admirably. Alex Lynn had a really nice game and brief, um, brief tours of duty. He had a lot of fouls, though. Four fouls, and that kept him off the floor, but he was plus 13 in 12 minutes, 11 points, four or five from the floor, three or four from three. Um, Obviously, all threes were in the first quarter and where he was just unconscious and out of his mind. But, you know, that was huge. That ended up being all all the points count. It's still a 48 minute game. Everything kind of has to come together at the end. And Len did a very nice job in his brief time. Baseball didn't play a lot 16 minutes, five points, five rebounds, three assists, a steal, and two block shots. It was an up-and-down game for Bays. I think offensively he was not great at all in this spot, but defensively brought good energy. I'm just kind of confounded as to why he's not playing more. Um, I sort of get the rotational stuff in some ways, but especially in this game, when you're playing Vince Carter at three, just play baseball. more. more is a better player. I know Carter is, not, is probably you know two inches taller than Bays and more physical defensively, but obviously Baseball more is a much better defender than Carter is. So I just don't really see the argument for not playing Bays more more. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that I just don't necessarily agree with. Um, it's happened now three or four games in a row. Mason Moore has not played a ton since coming back from the injury. In fact, the last four, the last five games, 16 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 16 minutes, and 16 minutes. And for someone who I think is their best wing, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that he's not playing more often. But just something to file away for the future. It obviously worked out for the Hawks in this spot. Um, to the starting lineup in this game, Kevin Herter was um, probably the guy who was the least heralded with the way that he played. 5 points, 2 rebounds, um, sorry, 5 points, 1 rebound, 2 assists, 2 steals, and plus 1 in 25 minutes for Herter. 2-7 from the floor, it was 0-4 from 3. Pretty decent looks, though. Was pretty confident in the way that he was shooting it early on. Just they, they, they just weren't falling, and Herter just didn't play a ton in the second half. And that's probably fine. You know, Herter wasn't like he was lighting the wall on fire, and if he's not making shots, you can sort of get guys in there, like I thought played better than Herter did in this game, for instance. Um, Dwayne Debman was pretty understated. He, he was also in foul trouble, had five fouls in 24 minutes. 12 points though, five rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block shot for Debman. I thought he was pretty competitive and pretty solid against the likes of JaVale. And um, you know, the Hawks the Lakers played small for most of this game. JaVale only played 13 minutes. They didn't really play another big, aside from a brief step from, from Mo Wagner, Mike Muscala and his return to Atlanta. I think was, uh, he was technically active because they, they ruled him in before the game, but he didn't warm up at all. You know, Kevin Sharnard and I were both tweeting about that before the game. My, uh, Mike never did anything on the court, so I'm th- I think he wasn't available. I didn't see after the game if they said anything about that, but I don't think he was um, ready to go you know, sort of injury-wise. The Hawks did do their tribute video for Muscala. They always do that for most guys when they leave, but Muscala was a lifer of the Hawks. He was drafted by the Hawks, developed by the Hawks, so that was a pretty appropriate one in some ways. So, you know, shout-outs to Mike, but he didn't play in this game. Um, as a, as I was saying before though Demond I thought was just solid didn't do anything great but uh w- w- did, sort of did, did his job and filled in admirably um when they were asked sort of doing asking him to do some interesting things defensively especially in this game uh Torian Prince 29 minutes 17.16 so 17.6 rebounds for Prince. 6 of 14 from the, from the floor, 4 of 9 from 3. Made a couple of big shots, was plus 4. You know, Torian offensively at times was sticking the ball a little bit, and defensively he struggled a little bit off the ball against Kyle Kuzma at times with his uh, movement off the ball. But I thought Torian was pretty pretty okay for the most part. Made, made, a, made a few big shots, actually led the team in threes with 4, and uh, provided that scoring punch that he needs to do. It was not a bad Torian game by any stretch. Um, John Collins, 22 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. He was very productive, more so in the first half than the second half, but it was, a, it was efficient, made, made both of his three-point attempts in this game. 8-15 from the floor, 4-5 from the free-throw line, just gr- good energy from John. He, had, he, he ended up with five fouls, so some of that was probably uh, muting his effort. Not an effort, but just his aggressiveness laid out later on in the game. But I thought Collins played um, pretty darn well here, especially when you're asking him to guard LeBron James. It's a really tough matchup for John Collins. I think he, did, he, he did a pretty good job, uh, all things considered. Finally, Trey Young was the star of this game. You know he didn't shoot it. He didn't. Sh- he didn't shoot it great. You know Trey kind of laughed about that after the game and pointed out that even sort of on props they, 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 they didn't really have it going with his jump shot. But still, 22 points, 14 assists, six rebounds for Trey, six turnovers, which is too many. You know, even Lloyd Pierce said that he's capable of doing a ton with his passing. Uh, Pierce was very complimentary of Young's passing in this game uh, afterwards, talking about how he's a unique and special passer and how that was his best trait. I agree with all of that. He's already an elite passer in the NBA right now, and that was on full display here. Turnover for too many, but still, it was probably indicative in a lot of ways that he was plus 11 in this game. You know, it's not always perfect, plus minus in a single-game setting, but plus 11 for Trey felt right here. He was Atlanta's best player offensively. Um, 6'19 from the floor is not what you want to see necessarily, but did enough at the free throw line and beyond the arc to uh, make that work. With three threes and seven nine from the free throw line, just got got to where he needed to get offensively. Made the plays, made made a lot of good decisions. Competed on the defense as much as he probably, as, he, as much as you probably could ask him to do. Had a couple nice uh, plays plays with his hands, just kind of getting in the way. That's kind of what you want Young to do right now. He's always going to be bad defensively in the moment, but I think he he he, he always got decent effort defensively for the most part. And by the way, it's kind of a bad matchup for him defensively because the Lakers do play Rajon Rondo, who played a lot in this game. But they don't start him. They started a lineup that had Brandon Ingram at the point guard spot. And he's like 6'9", 6'10". He's very, very long. They had um, Trey guarding Reggie Bullock in the early going, which is a not a terrible matchup for him because you know Bullock's not really a guy that's going to kill you off the dribble. But he's a legit 6'6", 6'7". And um, you know, Trey competed a little bit in the spot. But in general, it was just, just the offense. The way that sort of things felt when he left the court was worth noting. You know, Trey felt like he was in charge of the offense, and uh, things were going pretty smoothly when he was on the floor offensively. When he left the court, though, things fell apart, and that was probably a good indicator that uh, the Hawks definitely needed him on the floor in this game as much as they possibly could. So... With that said, it will be very interesting to see how how much the Hawks play him on a nightly basis without a back-up point guard like Jeremy Lin. I think with Adams around, the probably would have, would have played a little bit less here. But Adams isn't necessarily someone that's going to light the world on fire either right now as a rookie. So we'll see how the minutes look for Trey Young. The Hawks have one more game before the, before the break, and then he'll be busy actually over the break in Charlotte playing the Rising, playing the rising Stars in the skills competition on Saturday. So no full break for Young and Collins, but we'll talk more about that later on. So I thought he was great. Just one of those things where I thought he was going to get his uh, career high assist, by the way, at one point. he had, that That's actually 17 back in November against the Clippers. He had 11 early in the third quarter. kind of cooled off from there, but that was really just guys missing shots more than anything else. I think he was kind of playing the same way that he was before that. So... Again, all things considered, it's a really nice win for the Hawks. They were certainly aided by the Lakers not playing well down the stretch, especially. Um, but in the end, Atlanta go- comes in as a six-point underdog against the Lakers, comes out with a win in a sort of hostile environment. It wasn't like it was that hostile, but there was a lot of Lakers fans there. It was electric in a lot of ways. You know, Even Pierce and the players were all kind of acknowledging the fact that there was a lot of Lakers fans there, as it almost always is, and probably worse now with LeBron James. But The Hawks wake up here, they take care of us, get a win, and an upset win in the process to stop the bleeding of a three-game losing streak. They certainly played better here than they had been the last three games at home. The Lakers, again, sort of let them do a lot of stuff, but the Hawks took advantage of that, and they should be commended for that. So... All things considered, a nice night at the office for the Hawks on Tuesday. Please subscribe to this podcast. That's going to do it for today's show. But we'll come back, actually, unless something crazy happens. You know, last time I said this, it was a Jeremy Lin buyout. But unless something weird happens, no show between now and Thursday night. I'm going to come back after the game on Thursday. I know it's Valentine's night, so I'll sort of recap. I know a lot of people will probably probably be missing that game, but I will be... uh, watching that one's and be dialed in. So I'll be passing along everything that I see from the Hawks and the Knicks on Thursday. And if nothing else, please subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you guys then.